0: KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com.
1: Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, May 20th, Vaccinating cruise ship crews. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The San Diego Community College District says all students and employees who will be on their campuses will be required to get vaccinated against the coronavirus. The district plans to increase its on-campus and hybrid classes by at least 22% in the fall. In a unanimous vote, the San Diego County supervisors are creating an Office of Climate and Environmental Justice. Here's District One supervisor, Nora Vargas.
2: In my own
3: district, the communities of Barrio Logan and National City, rank in the top 5% for diesel air pollution in the state, and children's asthma hospitalization rates are three times more than the county average. We're proud of being a border community. However, as a result, in San Ysidro, residents are exposed to pollution from vehicles that wait for hours at the ports of entry.
1: The office will focus on helping the county reduce air pollution and reduce the exposure to toxic chemicals, particularly in communities of color. On Tuesday, Congress passed the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act to address the increase in hate crimes and violence against Asian Americans during the coronavirus pandemic. Between March of 2020 and 2021, 40% of all anti-Asian hate crimes reported in America occurred in California. The Hate Crimes Act will make it easier to report hate crimes by providing online reporting resources available in multiple languages. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by
1: The cruise ship industry provides a nearly $300 million boost to our local economy, but that all sailed away with the pandemic. But now, there's a positive sign that the industry is on its way back. KPBS's Melissa May was dockside on Wednesday as ship employees got a much-needed shot in the arm.
4: I would like to start all the vaccinations.
5: Captain Hank Draper of the Holland America Line is eager to.
4: to get back in doing what we do best which is giving our guests a memorable cruise vacation.
5: For all of 2020, cruise ships were either docked like this one or stuck out at sea without any guests. 137 cruise ships that were scheduled to stop in San Diego were canceled. In an effort to jumpstart the cruise season as early as October of this year, the Port of San Diego and Sharp Healthcare have partnered to vaccinate crew members on this ship and two ships off the coast. Over 400 crew members got their first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine.
6: This is a major step to opening up this industry and it's an incredibly important industry for the Port of San Diego and the San Diego region.
5: San Diego is the third busiest cruise port in California. Port Commissioner Rafael Castellanos knows that this industry
6: creates thousands of good jobs in the restaurant, lodging, transportation industries. Uh, longshore workers, working waterfront workers.
5: Executing a vaccination event like this one was a team effort.
6: In close coordination with our local, state, and federal partners, since the beginning of the pandemic, we've obviously had to coordinate very closely.
5: Brett McLean, the Executive Vice President and COO of Sharp Healthcare, described their pandemic efforts so far.
6: As of this morning, we have vaccinated approximately 542,000 San Diegans. We are transitioning and pivoting from the work that we're doing in our vaccination sites to partnering with community industry, as well as agencies to be able to bring vaccinations to the places that people work.
5: Sharp healthcare personnel also headed out on boats to vaccinate the crew of a princess ship today. Tomorrow, they will sail out to one more Holland America ship to vaccinate that crew.
1: And that was KPBS's Melissa May. Activists who are calling for San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria to cut the city's police budget and invest more in social services were disappointed this week. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen explains why.
4: The San Diego Police Department saw no big changes in Gloria's final budget proposal released yesterday. Last month, Gloria proposed $19 million in additional police funding, mostly to cover rising pension costs. Chiara Pina of the Progressive Think Tank Center on Policy Initiatives said while Gloria has called for more oversight and reforms to police policies, that isn't enough.
7: None of those are reflected in the proposed budget. Um, so I think to community members who have been advocating for this for a really long time, not seeing that, that funding behind that um, is disappointing.
4: Gloria says he wants other types of first responders to help with homelessness and mental health crises, not police. But Darwin Fishman of the Racial Justice Coalition of San Diego says Gloria hasn't yet backed up that rhetoric with action.
6: My biggest concern about uh, Mayor Gloria is actually the issue about courage. I mean, quite often he'd say the right things at the right time, but it's just, it's, it's a real issue about believability.
4: Gloria has proposed a $4 million cut to police overtime spending, with some of those savings invested in a new Police Oversight Commission and youth gang prevention programs. The City Council will discuss the latest spending plan on Thursday. The final deadline to approve the budget is June 15th.
1: And that was KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen. Community college enrollment plummeted across the state during the pandemic. But KPBS education reporter Joe Hong says local college officials are optimistic about post-pandemic recovery.
6: In San Diego, many community college students decided to put their education on pause during the pandemic. At San Diego City College, enrollment dropped by nearly 15 percent between the fall 2019 and fall 2020 semesters. Carlos Cortez is the president of the College of Continuing Education at the San Diego Community College District.
0: The district itself is about 8% underenrolled right now um, from our target. <clears throat> That's a direct, um, a direct consequence, we believe, of the pandemic. Um, you know, we have moved all of our programming online um, and, and the online environment is not um, ideal for some students and for certain programs.
6: But the pandemic did have some positive outcomes for San Diego community colleges. Cortez says enrollment for vocational training programs like welding actually increased.
0: We have over 75 free job training certificate programs. Um, yesterday, we ran our enrollment, and we are 8, 17% over our target. So we are hopping at the at the seams in terms of enrollment.
6: Cortez says this trend makes sense. Job training programs are exactly what the country's labor force needs right now for the economy to recover. At Southwestern College in Chula Vista, the enrollment drop is primarily due to economic factors. That's according to College President Mark Sanchez.
4: Many of our community members have either lost their jobs or have had their hours cut, Have businesses have been shut down or severely
6: reduced. So for them, their priority is uh, employment rather than trying to go back to school at this point. Both Sanchez and Cortez say enrollment dropped disproportionately for students of color. At San Diego City College, while the number of students in job training programs increased, the number of Black and Latino students in those programs went down.
1: And that was KPBS education reporter Joe Hong. Home prices in California continue to soar, and the competition for a limited supply of single-family homes is now the new normal. KPBS's Jacob Ayer looked into the reasons for the sky-high prices and what it means for housing affordability in San Diego County.
3: The median price of an existing single-family detached home in San Diego County rose to $825,120 in April, an increase from $800,000 a month ago and over $150,000 more than the same time last year according to the California Association of Realtors. Those numbers mirror a statewide trend in increasing housing prices. San Diego real estate broker Voltaire Lepe says that this kind of market growth is unprecedented in the region.
0: There's very little inventory, right? So there's about 2,300 homes for sale. Um, Last year, same time, there was over 5,000. In a normal market, there's between 6 to 8,000 homes for
3: sale. And that just causes multiple buyers per property. For some, the swelling market has made their dreams of buying a home unaffordable, particularly for first time home buyers.
6: My fiance and I, we were looking at buying a, uh, a single family home, but it is way, way too uh, competitive. Um, so we actually looked, we talked to our lender and then uh, we looked at uh, options for multi-family homes. So I think we're going to go that route. But for those who can't
3: afford the sky high prices, Lepe says the supply is in such short demand that foregoing appraisal contingencies and bidding wars have become commonplace. That means homes in San Diego have recently been selling for well above the asking price, especially in North County. North County,
0: you're, you, you know, you're, it starts at 50000 and it goes up to
3: $150,000.
0: Um, so, you know, North County, it's very competitive and the
3: difference between what it's worth and what people are paying for is higher. In April, California home sales increased for the third consecutive month and have risen over 65 percent from a year ago, while the median number of days it took to sell a California single-family home hit a record low of just seven days. Lepe says he expected home prices in the region to continue to increase throughout the rest of 2021, as long as the federal government keeps interest rates low.
1: And that was KPBS's Jacob Ayer. Coming up, the quinceañera industry had a brutal pandemic year.
2: It was so sad and I was so scared of losing my business. And this is a family business where my kids help me.
1: But there's hope that events are now coming back. Also, today marks the end of the road for a lot of bills in the state legislature. More on those stories next, just after the break. Many important events of our lives, like weddings and quinceaneras, were put on hold during the pandemic, and the event industry was hit hard. KPBS's Alexandra Rangel spoke with some Chula Vista merchants who are eager to get back to work. Along 3rd Avenue in downtown Chula Vista
7: sits a row of restaurants, businesses and breweries. It's also a go-to spot for people looking to plan a wedding or celebration. These businesses are picking up following a brutal year of pandemic restrictions. From party photographers, there
3: was no business for us,
7: to party bus rental companies.
8: Churches are closed, restaurants are closed.
7: Dress shops, tuxedo shops, DJs, catering companies, an entire industry completely shut
2: down. It was so sad and I was so scared of losing my business. And this is a family business where my kids help me.
7: Vicky Hernandez is the owner of Illusion Hall. She says the party venue she's been running for a decade was on the verge of bankruptcy.
2: Some people don't know, but I had to take the decision to work as a waiter. Uh, I, I I, never believed that I could do that, but I was trying to find a job. She also took out a $60,000 loan for her business. And when the loans start coming up, I qualify for a loan. And that helped me, that was like my um, key to continue in this business. After
7: a year of canceled events, Hernandez is scheduled to host a string of parties starting this
2: summer. Get ready mom because now I am very very busy because I had 50, almost 50 events waiting. She marked the turnaround with an open house
7: on Sunday, giving clients a feel of what their dream day can look like. Angelo Rocha has a tuxedo shop across the street from Illusion Hall. He says the reopening of the party halls is a good sign as he knows people will be looking for formal wear
2: it's low but every day more people coming up more people coming up
7: the majority of rocha's income comes from quinceñeras, a celebration of a girl's 15th birthday he says 90 percent of his clients are latino
2: quinceaneras is something for special for the hispanic people it's very important to have at, uh, that kind of party
7: Rocha says it's loyal customers that are keeping him afloat. Out of 50 events he had scheduled last year, he says only one asked for their money back and the remainder 49 have rescheduled for this year.
2: Most of my customers are old customers. I have a customer for 20 years, 20 years. They come in back, they do some quinceanera, later on they come in for the wedding, later on they come in for another event.
7: Other store owners aren't as fortunate. Mario Urista, the owner of Mario's Boutique, says he has an entire demographic of clientele he hasn't been able to reach. About 30 to 40 percent of my customers come from Tijuana to look for dresses here. It's a lot of people. Urista says he's had several customers looking for prom dresses. It's an added bonus he wasn't expecting to see this year with the uncertainty of high school proms. As the event industry begins to salvage what's left of this year,
2: Hernandez says she's just grateful to have made it through. Now I, I'm, I'm happy that I didn't stop. I'm happy that I didn't go to bankruptcy. Uh, but it's going to take us maybe a year and a half or two years to go back to that area where we was before pandemic.
1: And that reporting from KPBS's Alexandra Rangel. Today marks the end of the road for dozens of bills in the California legislature. Senate and Assembly Appropriations Committees are holding a twice-yearly hearing that releases hundreds of bills to the chamber floor for debate, but many others will be held back with little or no explanation. Cap Radio politics reporter Nicole Nixon spoke with anchor Randall White to explain what's known as the legislature's suspense file process.
0: Nicole, Help us understand this suspense hearing and why it's
4: such a big deal. Yeah.
8: Well, first of all, any bill that would cost more than one hundred fifty thousand dollars goes into this suspense file after it passes its first committee. So these bills are suspended in the legislative process, so to speak, until this hearing and they pile up. There's hundreds of them. And twice a year, the appropriations committees in each chamber, the Assembly and the Senate, hold this hearing where they announce which bills in this pile will move to the floor, where they can go up for debate before the entire chamber of lawmakers, and which ones are dead for the year. And it's an interesting hearing because there's this long list of bills. The fate of each bill is read off quickly. It's like kind of like an auction, auctioneer style. And the decisions about which bills survive and which ones don't are made before this hearing, but no one knows what's going to happen until the chair reads out each bill's fate.
0: As I understand it, Nicole, the actual votes and discussions around which bills are going to move forward and which ones are held back, Do not happen in a public hearing. These decisions are made behind closed doors. Why is that?
8: Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I actually posed that same question to Mike Gatto. He's a former lawmaker and he chaired the Assembly Appropriations Committee for a few years. And this is what he said. I
0: think it would strike people as a little bit disrespectful if certain bills were torn apart publicly. You would have the staff who are subject matter experts tearing apart their bills and saying, like, this is really a bad idea.
8: Now, clearly not every bill is a terrible idea. And Gatto says probably two thirds of bills do pass out of appropriations. And I do need a note here that all the bills have a fiscal and a policy analysis done by nonpartisan legislative staff. And that analysis helps lawmakers with this sort of cost benefit analysis, But, Randall, from what I gathered in my reporting, these closed-door discussions about which bills to kill and which ones to move are very frank conversations. Maybe not the more respectful and collegial conversations we usually Uh. see lawmakers (laughs) having with each other. And I also heard that there's just not a lot of time to have open debate about 400 bills on a list. It's just faster to go through all of them this way. And at the end of the day, real quick here, the final decision is up to the appropriations chair. So these two lawmakers, one in each chamber, hold a lot of power.
0: Uh, Why is a hearing done in this mass fashion? Why do it all at once?
8: Well, it's. Not until around this time of year that lawmakers have a very full picture of the state budget. So they don't know how much money they have to spend. And they let all the bills pile up this way so that they can have that big picture look at all the requests. And then they go through and decide what they can and can't afford and what they do and don't want to fund. (laughs) Another reason is that, you know, inevitably different lawmakers may introduce bills that are similar, that touch on the same topic, so that gives the Appropriations Committee the opportunity to kind of pick and choose which one of those bills to move forward so lawmakers aren't spending time debating the same subject over and over.
1: That was Cap Radio politics reporter Nicole Nixon speaking with anchor Randall White.